The Denver Broncos are six and a half point underdogs this week on the road against the Miami Dolphins. What do they need to do to come away with an upset here in week three? You're going to get that much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. The pressure is on this week as the Denver Broncos travel to Miami and South Beach to take on the red-hot Miami Dolphins and their offense here. They're six-and-a-half-point underdogs, but they're going to have to find a way to come away with a big road win to help change the tide of the season. We'll tell you exactly how they can do that on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. Thank you so much, Broncos country, for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. You can get this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. So do us a favor, hit that subscribe or that follow button down below so you never miss out on a day's worth of Broncos news, content, coverage, analysis, and more through the good, the bad, the ugly. We have you covered all year long. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Benninger, site expert, predominantlyorange.com. This episode is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code, all lowercase, NFL for a first deposit matchup to one Hundred dollars. Sarah Benninger returns to the show here this week. Uh, and look, really, the table is kind of set for this week here, Sarah. The Miami Dolphins, obviously, we know Denver sitting at 0-2. It's a tough matchup here on paper. As disappointing as the Washington game was, it's time we got to flush it down the pity potty at this point. Got to move on from it. But what does Denver need to do, right? We're going to identify three things they need to do in order to come up with an upset road win as six-and-a-half-point underdogs here What is the first thing? Well, Cody, I think the first thing is keeping that offense rolling, right? Because as I'm at my sister-in-law's wedding, I'm watching the offense roll. I'm watching them get off to a 21 to three lead. And in fact, I felt so comfortable that I was like, maybe I can just kind of shut the game off a little bit here and relax and let the game play out, knowing that, hey, there's a celebration to be had. Unfortunately, it turned out to be high stress, right? And and unfortunately, the offense didn't keep things going. You and I were kind of talking before we started the show, just like, man, the, the Broncos offense, they had things rolling up until that Russell Wilson fumble in the first half, which resulted in, you know, the commanders getting into the end zone and Kareem Jackson's penalty and this, that, and the other. So just that domino effect from one mistake and your offense should be able to make a mistake and the defense can have their backs. But at the same time, you can't have those little mistakes like that. You can't uh, assume that you are down right for Russell Wilson. So keeping that offense rolling. This is an offense, Cody, that through the first two weeks of the season, it's a small sample size, but we expected from Sean Payton what we're seeing, third in the NFL in plays per drive, third in the NFL in yards per drive, number one in the NFL in points per drive so far this season. So I really think it's just a matter of keeping this offense rolling. You have to find a way to do that, right? Because I think... Out of all the emotion of Denver being 0-2, I, I still see a lot of comments on YouTube. I still see a lot of comments on Twitter about, oh, the offense, get rid of Russ. Like, the offense is not the problem right now. Now, yes, what they did in the second half or from that second quarter through the end is a little bit problematic. And obviously, there was the Hail Mary there at the end of the game, which kind of skews things. But, hey, it was great that they were able to make it a little bit interesting and possibly tie it up at the end of the game there. But Denver's offense, I mean, Sarah, how long has it been since we were able, I mean, going back to last week, we're able to sit in a position where we're like, okay, Denver scored on their first three drives of the game. They scored touchdowns. And they scored for, the I think, two weeks in a row. 
or three weeks in a row. I mean, yeah, two weeks in a row at this point. They scored an opening drive touchdown. It's been a while since that's ever happened here for this Denver team. You look at what the offense is doing. There's things that are working, and obviously the statistical output, the efficiency, says that they are one of the top units here, and obviously Denver's defense right now is one of the worst right now in the NFL. But you look at all of these things here, Sarah, and to me, I think the offense, to me, is not the issue. I'm not worried about it. So how do you keep things rolling here? I think we got to see a little bit more here of Moon, Ball, Russell, Wilson. And I tell you what, just watching him deliver that throw, the trajectory through the air to Marvin Mims, who's got legitimate game-breaking speed, that was fun to watch. And he did it twice, right? On the 60-yard touchdown, there was not a single defender near him. The guy was in trail tech the entire way. Then I think what Marvin Mims did in terms of Russ launching it down the left sideline, tracking it in there, he is an impressive player. But it also goes to the focal point. How do you keep the offense rolling? Well, you keep spreading out the production here, but you got to keep doing, I think, what works. And I think through two weeks, we've seen Denver go away a little bit from what works in the first half, and they've gone away from that in the second half. I mean, Marvin Mims, two catches, a buck 13, and he doesn't see a single target in the second half. To me, Sarah, that is a little bit wild here. And I understand they wanted to get Cortland Sutton going because he didn't have a single target in that first half here. But Marvin Mims, his speed is a legit factor. And this week, you know what? It's a big week for a guy who caught two touchdowns. Brandon Johnson, it's a homecoming for him. We got to see a little bit more of that moon ball Russell Wilson because that, I think, opened things up. How do you open that up? Obviously, protection is a big part of that, but you have to make that part of the Broncos' offensive dynamic rather than the short dink and dunk stuff from time to time. You do. And I think along with that, you've really got to establish a running game when you have a lead like that, right? I just, I don't feel like the Broncos have done that through the first two weeks where we thought going into this season, that's going to kind of be the identity of this team, right? Is really being physical in the running game. And I just don't think we've seen that. We've seen some good stuff from Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan, but yeah, those guys, they might be on pace for what, 50 catches a piece at this point because they're really getting a lot of action as in the short passing game where just outlets, it's not the same as establishing yourself on the ground, right? And we're seeing, why did we see the commanders and the Raiders have so much success rushing the quarterback in the second half? In my opinion, Cody, it's because not necessarily an abandonment of the running game, but really not an emphasis on it being kind of your focal point. You're really not able to establish your will or, or impose your will against these teams in the running game. So I think in addition to seeing Moonball Rust in the second half, keep that confidence flowing. I think you also need to really establish that, hey, we're the team that's winning in the trenches right now. And you need to be reminded of that after the first half that we just had. We're going to run the ball down your throats and we're going to do it with maybe use. And I'm sure the Broncos are doing this, but maybe you script some of those running plays in. maybe you script your second half, you know, that that opening drive. If you're going to defer to the second half, you have to assume that Sean Payton is thinking about doing that anyway. So establishing the ground game in the second half, I think that's something the Broncos definitely need to do to keep the offense rolling because it just it opens up, like you said, everything else. And if you're dominating on the ground, those moon balls to Marvin Mims are going to be wide open. Well, and when you have a 21 to three lead, I agree with you here. You have to try to take off as much clock as you can. And we saw Denver get a little pass happy in that situation there. And I'm not sure maybe what the reasoning, the logic is on that. I know Peyton said, you know, a lot of it, Hey, he's also got to be better himself, but 
it's just hard to see. Like when you have that lead, I get it. Maybe you want to put up more points. Maybe you want to put up more yards, but you have two workhorses in Javante Williams, Samaje Pirine. I felt like a lot of the runs that we started to see a little bit too were to the outside. And so I think it was a little bit easier for the commanders to rally. I think you guys see a little bit more of those inside runs, pounding the rock inside, right? Second and five situation. That's what you want to have. You want to have maybe a third and two. And you know what? Hey, let's pound the rock here with Javante and Samaje versus throwing. I mean, I think a couple of those situations, Denver tried passing on third down and simply didn't work for them because I think the Washington Commanders did a really good job adjusting different pressure fronts there. Deron Payne having an impact. Denver's going to have to find a way to adjust here going forward. If they want to beat the Miami Dolphins, as you mentioned, the offense they have to keep rolling here. But what's another key for the Denver Broncos going into Miami this upcoming week and beating the Dolphins on a scorching day in South Beach? Well, it involves one of the Broncos' top defensive players following one of the top receiving options here for the Miami Dolphins. You're going to get that on today's episode, Locked On Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at eBay Motors. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or you're scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the week. Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown is looking for his first touchdown and 100-yard game of the season going into week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he has a great chance to accomplish both after combining for 11 catches on 16 targets for 108 yards in the first two games of the season. Despite not having a big game last week on Thursday Night Football, A.J. Brown could be in line for a big one this week because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have struggled with number one wideouts early and their run defense will make Jalen Hurts throw a little bit more as the squeaky wheel expect A.J. Brown to get plenty of grease on Monday night here in week three. Fantasy football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, your daily vehicle, you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Whether you need brake kits, LED headlights, a roof rack, bumpers, or whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Make sure you check it out today. Keep your ride in tip-top shape and get all the parts you need with eBay Motors. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. You want to upset the Dolphins? You got to put best on best, and that means we need to see PS2 on the Cheetah. Tyreek Hill all game long against the Dolphins here in week three as we continue to wipe and wash the taste of week two out of our mouths here on Lockdown Broncos. Just want to say thank you to every single one of you that chooses to make this show your first listen of the day every single day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere that you get your podcasts, as well as you can watch Cody and I on YouTube and react on YouTube in the comment section to all the things that are going on. Look, we're trying to find answers just as much as everyone else, but we appreciate you for making us part of your day, however you choose to do so. 
And Cody, I'm looking forward to seeing this matchup just from a football standpoint. You want to see best on best. We didn't get to see a ton of Pat Sertan against Tyreek Hill when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously just a couple games that season. But now we get another opportunity. And of course, you would rather not see Tyreek Hill as much as possible. He's one of the most dominant offensive players in the game. But Pat Sertan is also one of the best defensive players in the game. So I think this has got to be a main focus for the Denver Broncos. If you're going to go in and upset Miami, you got to maybe try your best by putting your best on their best player to take him out of the game. You know, and I, this is something I'm very curious. Will we see this this week here from Vance Joseph? Because I, ideally, I always thought that we were going to hear coming into the offseason, right? Some things that we heard from players is, you know, hey, they're I'm in a position now to follow and cover the best players on each opposing team, right? Well, so far through two weeks, okay, hey, Terry McLaurin, best receiving option overall. I mean, you can make the argument there for the commanders. Week one, Devontae Adams. Sertan did his job against Adams, but the Raiders moved Devontae Adams around, and there were times where it forced Patrick Sertan to stay on the, you know, the side of the field that he was initially on there. How do you at this point, and it's so tough in the NFL, when you talk about man coverage here, because you have to make sure that your coverage is top tier, not necessarily just PS2 on a guy like Tyreek Hill, but your coverage in other areas, your linebacker against the running back, your safety against a tight end or a slot receiver. But what we're going to see here from Mike McDaniel, and because he's a smart offensive mind, and we've seen this so far through two weeks of play, how do you mitigate a little bit of maybe a, a, the top cornerback on another team taking away your best option or trying to impact that? Because obviously Tyreek Hill went off in week one against the Chargers, leading the NFL and receiving yards right now. Two weeks for him, two touchdowns overall for him. You have to figure out a way to be strategic there, right? So if Tyreek lines up in the slot, do you put a Sang Bassey there or do you put Patrick Sertan there? How do you adjust that? Like this to me, I think is a very curious dynamic that I'm looking forward to seeing what Vance Joseph decides to do. Because to be honest with you, there's a lot of pressure right now on the defense. I mean, Sarah, earlier in today's show, we were talking about where Denver's offense ranks as one of the top units in the NFL right now in certain categories. You look at Denver's defense, they're almost bottom ranked in almost every major statistical category that you can think of. They're at least bottom five or bottom 10 in a lot of those areas. And I don't know how Denver's going to adjust. Now, granted, it's two weeks. But if we saw any indication in week two against the commanders with how ultra aggressive and blitz happy Vance Joseph has been, I don't think that Denver can get away with doing that against the Miami Dolphins. And a big reason for that is because Tua Tungo-Vailoa loves to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And Mike McDaniel is not going to put him in a situation where he's just going to have to stand back in the pocket and wait. They have guys and they have schemes and concepts that free up opportunities. To me, that's what I'm a little worried about this week here. But if Denver can find a way to neutralize that, if Sertan can see a majority of his coverage snaps against Tyreek Hill, I do like Denver's ability to maybe take away one of their best options while Right now, Jalen Waddle is going through NFL concussion protocol, so we don't know if he's going to be able to play this week. He's obviously a tremendous wide receiver as well. So I, I, I'm curious to see maybe your thoughts on this. Like, How does Denver make this possible? How do you take away Tyreek Hill in a situation like this? It is a great question, and I, he's one of those guys that you almost just feel like, can you really stop him completely? You know, We've seen that before where Broncos have had some good games against him, or is it more of a can you just hope to contain him at this point? Because yeah. like you said, Mike McDaniel, they've got the schematics and things like that. The other playmakers. I think that's the key thing, right? Is that you've got other guys within that Miami offense that can make plays and really be dangerous. Like that has to, you, you have to be honest on Tyreek Hill, right? You can't just 
single cover him all game and expect the Dolphins to just go elsewhere. They're going to do what the Raiders do with Devontae Adams and force feed him the ball. And they're going to find ways to scheme him against other guys besides PS2. So like you said, it's going to be a matter of can the Broncos actually effectively blitz the Dolphins because to Otagavailoa, he has been good against the blitz. You got to get maybe pressure up the middle, Cody. That's kind of what I'm leaning towards right now is getting pressure up the middle of the field and causing Tua to have to get outside the pocket, outside of structure and not be able to make those quick throws. Give him, Don't give him a clear line of vision. And for the Broncos defense, it feels like the big play has really been the big problem, right? The, the chunk plays, whether in the run or the pass game, it's not so much first and second down even. It's just whenever the opposing offense has needed a big play, they're able to do whatever they want, whether it's drop back deep and throw it deep, whether it's bust off a big screen, whether it's bust off a big run. That's what kind of worries me about this matchup against you know Tyreek Hill is how you've got to make sure you've got PS2 on him as often as possible to, like you said, mitigate the damage that he can do because he can do a lot. I mean, he can he, he can do anything that you want a wide receiver to do. Tyreek Hill can do it after the catch, making plays on 50-50 balls, burning guys deep downfield. I mean, he is that dude out there. So it's just it's a tough matchup for anybody forcing Tua to not be confident maybe early on in the game to go that direction. So whatever the Broncos have to do to make that happen, I think that's what we need to see. I'm also a little worried about Raheem Mostert, right? We talk about the screen game. Denver allowed four screen passes to be completed last week that accounted for over 80 yards of offense. I mean, you talk about something that's going to pad not only your completion percentage as a quarterback, but it's going to make you look damn good, right? And Denver had no answer for the screen because Vance Joseph, blitz, 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 blitz. We've seen him do this in the past. I mean, last year, here's a great example. When he's the Arizona Cardinals, D.C., against the Kansas City Chiefs, we saw him do that, and we saw Patrick Mahomes light him up. Tua Tungavailoa is a guy who can do the same exact thing, but Raheem Mostert is a guy who, Sarah, he clocked a higher mile-per-hour speed last week in the Dolphins' Week 2 victory against the New England Patriots than Tyreek Hill. Like He had faster play times than Tyreek. He is a dynamic player, and so this is a tough matchup here for Denver. But, you know, in terms of the quick passing game, right, as we see, Miami likes to throw a lot of those bubble screens, those quick smoke screens there, or like quick passes across the middle. This is where I think the Broncos' defensive line they have to obviously establish some dominant points of attack, and they have to be able to get their hands up quickly at the line of scrimmage. You're going to need to bat down passes this week at the line of scrimmage. You're going to need to play aggressive. You can't play too far off against the slots in this game here. I'm very curious to see how Vance Joseph and company adjust here. But I also like the point that you mentioned about getting pressure up the middle a little bit this week. Look, I, I came away impressed with Randy Gregory, Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito. I think those guys did a fantastic job this past week against the Commanders. But Denver did not get enough interior push from DJ Jones and Zach Allen. Now, Mike Purcell got some push, but he's only in on certain packages. He's in on certain situations down in distance. You're going to need more, not only from DJ Jones and Zach Allen, but you know, you're also going to have to protect your linebackers. I know Vance Joseph sent them quite a bit this week. You might have to keep some guys back to patrol the middle of the field for that quick passing game. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's how Drew Sanders can get on the field, but it's tough at the same exact time to be able to do just that, sir. So I don't know where Denver goes. I don't know how they're going to adjust from this, but we all know that, hey, 
one way to take away one of the best options for the other team is to put your best option on it. Can Patrick Sertan follow Tyreek Hill around and can he limit him once again? He's obviously won both the matchups that they've had so far when he was a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll see if he can continue that momentum this week here on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. But Broncos country, one thing we are going to talk about, another key is what Russell Wilson are the Broncos going to get it? What's going on with first half Russell Wilson versus second half Russell Wilson? We're going to dive deeper down in today's episode. Lockdown Broncos. Today's episode of Lockdown Broncos is brought to you by our friends over there at Prize Picks. And Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports done right, where you can get on the action and win up to 25 times your money this football season. All you do is you go onto the Prize Picks app, you select two or more players, you pick more or less than their projected stats for this week's upcoming game, and then you place your entry here today. Prize Picks, it's really simple to play. I can make my picks and I can submit my my entry in less than 60 seconds. Plus, they have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. That's what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app here today. So, for the Broncos Week Three matchup against the Miami Dolphins, I'm going to take Russell Wilson to have more than 205 passing yards on the day. I'm going to have it to where Tua Tonga Vailoa has less than 200 passing yards against the Denver Broncos. Might sound like a bold pick here, but there's a hunch there, and there's a key with his name being Patrick Sertan. We'll see if Vance Joseph's defense can adjust a little bit this week. But those are my prize picks, picks of the week here on Locked On Broncos. So make sure you check it out here today. They now also offer Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Make sure you check it out by going to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100 today. Check it out. Prize Picks. Get in the game. As we jump into the fourth quarter action on today's episode, Locked On Broncos here, we're going to discuss what's What's happening in the first half with Russell Wilson in comparison to the second half here going forward? Welcome in Broncos country. Yeah, another episode of Lockdown Broncos. We appreciate you so much for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day, free and available everywhere you get your podcast where you can watch us on YouTube. If the Broncos are going to go into South Beach this week in Miami and upset the Miami Dolphins as six and a half point underdogs, according to our friends over there, FanDuel Sportsbook, what are we going to get from Russell Wilson? Because, Sarah, I think this is a great point. What we've seen from Russ in the first half versus the second half, there have been some differences so far through the two f- first two weeks of play here. Now, I'm trying to figure out here, right? You go back and you watch the film. What changes? Cody, I think it's got to be just the that killer instinct a little bit, right? That's the biggest thing to me is like, you, you see Russell Wilson in the second half of this season through just two games. Of course, now it's only two games, but that that mentality of like playing not to lose, you know, that's kind of what I've been seeing. Right. And and that's where I feel like he's been struggling is you're you're taking those check downs instead of maybe pushing the ball downfield a little bit more like you did in the first half against the commanders where you're hitting moon balls to Marvin Mims. And so hopefully he has that confidence still in the second half to say, look, I know that I can unleash a little bit that I'm not just going to go out there and make mistakes, but 
again, it feels like the pressure has been more intense on Russell in the second half in terms of the opposing pass rush, doesn't it? It feels like he's been under much more heat. Does It feels like he's had to get out of the pocket and throw the ball away quite a bit more in the second half. So just a much more conservative approach in the second half has led to Russell Wilson not putting up not even really good numbers in the second half compared to amazing like MVP caliber numbers in the first half. So we need to see more of the the complete game from Russell Wilson. And maybe like we talked about in, in the first segment, maybe it is just a matter of you keep that offense rolling by continually taking those shots. Like don't don't back down. Keep the confidence going. Keep your confidence for everybody up like Hey, we're, we want to dominate these guys, right? It's not just a matter of playing conservative and, and running the ball like that. We want to be aggressive. We want to be the ones that kind of take the bull by the horns here and win this game as opposed to just not losing it. And I will say this too. I think you have a great point here about what we are seeing in the second half. I think that the protection overall, it changed a little bit. You saw more pressure allowed. I mean, Deron Payne, and to open up the second half, single-handedly ended the Broncos' first drive of the second half himself. To me, I think there's an issue with that. So what is it? Is it communication? Is it him just manhandling the Broncos' offensive line? I think you need to see a bounce-back game from Garrett Bowles and obviously Mike McGlinchey this week because in my opinion, a lot of the pressure came from the outside, and it forced Russell Wilson to have to step up inside where you have other guys like Jonathan Allen that were able to maybe collapse the pocket, led to obviously the sacks. I mean, seven sacks, not good. 14 quarterback hits, not good. That certainly plays a factor into it because in that first half, I think Russ on that first drive, he took a couple of shots, but he was able to get the ball out of his hands quickly versus the second half, hit, 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 hit. You can't do that. And I think another thing with Russ as well, you just have to do a better job of protecting the football, right? When you're running it or when you're scrambling, because what is this two weeks in a row? He got lucky against the Las Vegas Raiders. He fumbled the ball, but there was a, I think a legal contact on Marcus Peters that negated the Raiders from recovering it. So there's one instance there. It's the second fumble. And granted, I know you thought you were down, but you got to protect the football at all costs at that point. And then obviously the interception there, Seemed like there was a miscommunication between he and Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy on that play. Aside from all that, it's just get back to doing the things that you were doing that made you successful in the first half here. And that's also on Sean Payton as well. It's a little bit of everything here, but it trickles down. And ultimately, in the eyes of most people, they're going to look at Russell Wilson and say, hey, this is Russ's fault. And I want to remind people, folks, this is a team game. Russ did a fantastic job in the first half. He struggled a little bit in the second half, but he found ways to get going at times. But it's all predicated on this, Sarah, the quick passing game. But I think it's having an identity. And I would say first half, Devers got an identity, right? It's aggressive. Second half, they've been a little bit more passive. So what is your overall through four quarters identity on the offensive side of the ball? You have to go out there and you have to figure out a way to make that established this week. Now it's going to be tough because guess what? You're playing against Vic Fangio, who was in line at one point for the defensive coordinator job here in Denver. Now, Sarah, we had an interesting comment on yesterday's episode, Lockdown Broncos. Some guy in the comments said, it is our fault, all of us in the Denver media, it is our fault that Vic Fangio did not come back to Denver. And I think that's a little bit of a wild stretch here. He entertained it. Vic wants to be left alone, right? He trusts Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel is going to oversee the offense. He knows that Mike McDaniel is not going to bother him on the defensive side of the ball. It's a little bit different there. And so he wanted to go to that situation with some of the pieces there. Devers going to face former Bronco Bradley Chubb. They have some tough players on the back end, especially at the secondary. Javon Holland is an absolute stud. They have Xavier Howard. No Jalen Ramsey. He's on IR after having knee surgery. But this is a tough, aggressive Miami Dolphins defense there. So Denver's offense 
This is where Russ has to put it together for four quarters, and the offensive line has to put it together for four quarters, and the supporting cast around him, and even Sean Payton, they have to be sharp, and they have to figure out a way to keep the train rolling. They do, Cody, and it's it's good for the Broncos to be able to play Vic Fangio's defense, I think, early in the season as he's still kind of establishing it there in Miami, whereas down the line, we know as the season goes along, that defense is just going to keep getting tougher and tougher. So I feel like you're at an advantage there. We saw the Chargers score a lot of points against them. Not that the Broncos are going to, I mean, who knows? We saw them get into a little defensive battle with the Patriots in week two, the Dolphins did. So it could go either way. You might be in a low scoring game here, or you might be in a shootout. That's just the, the, the unfortunate aspect of playing the Miami Dolphins is they have so many ways that they can win nowadays when everyone on that team is healthy. And so defensively for them, I think for the Broncos, we, what did we remember from the Vic Fangio era as far as what, you know, what ailed the Broncos? I feel like the, the Vic Fangio defense, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, Cody, or anyone in the comments, but I feel like they gave up quite a few big plays with Vic Fangio. It was really a bend, don't break type of defense. Like, yeah, we'll let you get into the red zone. We'll let you get even maybe inside the 10. But once we get inside there, uh, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever tried to do to try to score against us. So maybe for the Broncos, maybe it's going to be the the football equivalent of being really good, having a great day shooting from beyond the arc in basketball, right? You've got to hit <laughs> those those longer plays from further out and make sure that you can score from 20 plus. So maybe the explosive play will be the Broncos friend against Vic Fangio's defense somewhat ironically, because if you try to play small ball against Vic, I think he's going to figure it out quickly. But in terms of the chess match aspect from first half to second half, this is going to be a must see TV, Sean Payton versus Vic Fangio. It's good stuff. And so that it's, it's not to say, you know, that the Broncos are going to be able to have their way deep downfield every single play or things like that. But I'm just saying that could be your friend in a game like this, where if you try to dink and dunk, I think it's going to be harder and harder to score the closer to the goal line you get. 100%. And that's how Vic's defense plays. It's like, all right, hey, we're going to protect deep. And then once you throw it short, we're going to rally. And that's why he's big on tackling. That's why he wants his cornerbacks to know how to tackle. So that is a very important part of it. Denver's got to be aggressive. They've got to capitalize on the opportunities that do come their way in Sunday's game against the Miami Dolphins. Broncos country, though, chime in down below if you're watching or listening, wherever you get your podcast, what you think the Broncos need to do in order to upset the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. Sarah Bettinger will be back with you all tomorrow for a crossover Thursday episode with Kyle Krabs, host of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Broncos country, we'll see you then. We'll also have a little bit of a bonus episode if there's anything big that comes out of Broncos practice on Wednesday in Dove Valley.